I love reading the old stories, the old stories in the, the stories in the Old Testament of, of ways that God worked for his people. We, we've been um, learning, going through um, uh, Corinthians and Samuel, and, or really it's Chronicles and Samuel, and, and looking at the kings and stuff, and David here is, I know that we've, been, that we've been going through this in Sunday school, but David has already been called by God, right? He's already been basically anointed. Um, Samuel's already anointed him as king. So he's got this, I, looking at the life of David, and especially this point in his life, because Saul's still king, right? And, and David was already promised the kingdom by God, anointed by Samuel, right? Do you guys remember that, remember that story, how Samuel came to his brothers and uh, to, 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 to David and his brothers and um, went through the family and the entire family until he got to David. And David said, this is, this is going to be the next king of Israel. And God allowed Samuel to anoint David there. And so, so, so David has this promise, right? God promised David this kingdom. And yet we have Saul who's still king and he continues to be king for years after David has received this promise from God. But I love David's attitude and how he never wavered. He never, he had his, his bouts of discouragement, right? If you read the Psalms, you see David's heart, his bouts of discouragement and, and, and trials that go along with that. But his focus was always on the promise of God. Because the Bible says that there's no shadow of turning with God. And God keeps his promises. In fact, I, I think it was in Job. Um, he says, uh, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And, and even uh, um, uh, a, a false prophet in the Old Testament, um, Balaam, right, when he was hired to curse Israel, He's, he's, he even realized that God is a God who protects his people and keeps his promises. And so, um, so I love reading that because I know that God hasn't changed, right? And we have a whole book here that's full of the promises of God. And if God kept his promises back in the Old Testament, we can be sure that he'll keep them today. Things like this, things like... Um, um, Thou wilt show me the paths of joy, or in thy presence is, fu is fullness of joy, right? At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. That's, a, that's a, a comfort and a promise that we've received from Christ through, through the book of Psalms. Things like, I will never leave you or forsake you. The, the Bible is full of these, these promises that God's made to not, not just the disciples, not just the, the Old Testament um, prophets and priests and kings, but to us. Because this was written, and it was inspired, this, this right here was inspired, and it was also kept through the power of God for us today. So that we can read it and know God's promises. I, I just the other day, Pastor preached, um, actually, um, the, the, during the revival, um, he preached on Hebrews chapter 12 in that great cloud of, great cloud of witnesses, Right? And we have, we have all these stories and these testimonies of these great cloud of witnesses. If you read Hebrews 11, it talks about these people who, by faith, they did this. By faith, they did that. How, how do they have so much faith? Because they trusted. It wasn't that they had great faith. It was they had a, a, a God who was greatly faithful. 
And that's who David is trusting on. And you can see David's heart here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 26 and his, um, his attitude towards really his enemy, because that's who Saul is, right, at this point, David's enemy. David has, has years of his life where he's fleeing from Saul for his life. And so, so this is where David is. So we're going to pick up in Samuel chap, 1 Samuel chapter 26, in verse number 1, the Bible says, And the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hekelah, which is before Jeshimon? If anybody wants to tell me if, if those names are right, you can, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> so, so we have here this, this nation that goes to Saul, David's enemy, and they basically hand Saul David. They say, hey, I know where David's hiding. Now, why they did that, I, I don't know. I don't know if, why they had a beef with David, but maybe they just wanted to get in good with the king of Israel, which was probably a good idea at the time. They wanted to, to strengthen that alliance, possibly. I don't really know why they told Saul where David was, but it wasn't the first time they did that. If you go back to, to just a page or two to Samuel chapter 23, verse 19... It says here, um, then came the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood in the hills of Hekelah, which is on the south side of Jeshimon? So they basically, they've given David away several times to Saul. So now David is kind of in in a precarious situation here. He's Saul knows his location. He's been hiding for a long time from Saul. Saul knows his location, and knowing the history that David and Saul had together, right? David's, Saul's already tried to throw javelins at David and taken his life several times. Um, I would imagine David is pretty, is pretty concerned at this point. So Saul takes 3,000 chosen men to hunt David. If we look in verse 2, the Bible says, Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. So this isn't just 3,000 random soldiers. This is 3,000 chosen men of Saul, handpicked. This is, this is the elite right here. The th- these 3,000 men that Saul's bringing with him to kill David is the best of the best. I don't, I don't understand why Saul had, was so passionate about killing David. I know he wanted to protect his kingdom, right? He, he had these thoughts, but, but Saul, David is somebody that grew up, I mean, best friends with Saul's son, right? And so with, with Jonathan, Saul's son, but yet Saul was so intent on killing David. He goes through Israel's army, and he picks out 3,000, which is an exorbitant amount for David's small army, right? But 3,000 of, of the, the, the elite of Israel and says, hey, I want you guys to come with me. We're going to go take down David. You see Saul's heart here. He, so Saul took 3,000 of these chosen men, and they were going up against David's army, which was, uh, compared to the 3,000, just a measly 600 guys, right? And not just 600 guys, but 600 guys who have been, you know, camping out in caves and, you know, just running, running for their lives, basically, from Saul. So, Saul sets up camp in these next couple of verses, and, and we see what David does here. 
The Bible says in, in verse 3, And Saul pitched in the hill of Hekelah, which is before Jeshimon, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and, and he saw that Saul came after him to the wilderness. David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. So, so David sends out these spies to make sure that this is Saul, to see what kind of situation David is up against here. So, and as we continue in this story, and I, I really, I'm not one that really, like, that really gives a lot of application, spiritual application. I think the Bible is good at giving, and the Holy Spirit, by the way, is good at giving spiritual application to us when we need it. Um, in fact, that's what, the, that's what one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is. The Bible says that he will, he will open our eyes and show us wondrous things out of, out of, out of thy law. So, so what I, my goal is today is to, well, let's just read these story, this story and see how David, a man after God's own heart, reacted towards his enemies, right, who was Saul, and see how God took care of his child. Okay, so, so as we continue, and David arose, in verse number five, and came to the place where Saul had, pent, had pitched. And David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner came, uh, Ner, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. So, so Saul's here. Saul is Saul isn't just randomly out in in this camp, right? He is right in the middle of three thousand elite soldiers. So let's get this picture here. We have. We have David, right? And you're going to see that he chooses one person to go with him. But, but Saul is, is, not just laying, is not just sleeping out in the open here. He's pretty heavily fortified by 3,000 soldiers. But let's see what God does here. David goes, goes to the place where Saul was. was. He observes him. He... he he spies on him, really, right? He sees Abner. He sees the 3,000 soldiers. And if we continue, we see what David... David has this idea. And this isn't, this isn't the only time that David does this, by the way. Um, but listen to this. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite and to Abishai the son of Zeruai, brother to Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said... I will go with thee. Now, some people would probably say, David, <laughs> hey, buddy, let's, let's think about this a little bit, right? You and one other guy are going to go down to, this, to, to, to the king of Israel who absolutely hates you, who, who's out for your life, right? And you're just going to waltz in, in through 3,000 of the most elite of Israel. What are you thinking? Right? But, but, but obviously David trusted God. And, and I love this because you might, you, I would sit here and I would, I would begin to fear a little bit, right? But David has this promise. If something happened to David, would he be king? Okay, let's just say David trips over this guy that's sleeping and he wakes up and he kills David. What happened to, the, to God's promise that he would be king of Israel? Right? And so David really has nothing to worry about because he knows that God's given him this promise. God said, David, you will be king of Israel. 
So no matter what happens, David knows that his, his life is, is secure because he trusts his God. So David's like, well, let's just go see what this, all, this is all about. So, so he, he takes Abishai, and he decides to go and confront, really, really his, his end goal is to confront Saul here. So David asked Ahimelech and Abishai who would volunteer to go with him on this mission, and Abishai agrees to go. So verse number 7. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster, and Abner, the, but Abner and the people lay round about him, right? So they're all surrounding Saul. Probably they learned their lesson the first time. Verse number 8. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thy hand this day. Now therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. In other words, I'm going to do the job right, <laughs> right now. We're going to get rid of Saul. We're going to get rid of this enemy. We're going, to, we're going to fulfill God's promise to you for you to be king of Israel right here, right now. So um, they approached the camp. Saul was asleep. He was, a, he was surrounded by his soldiers. David was given this second opportunity to take Saul's life, right? If you remember the first time, David was hiding out in a cave, and the Bible says that Saul went into the cave, and David was able to get to cut a piece of Saul's garment off, right? To, so this isn't the first time that, that, that they've had this encounter. And, of course, the first time, what did Saul say to David? Does anybody remember? When, when, when David says, Saul, what's, you know, I had this opportunity to kill you. I chose not to because you're God's anointed. Do you remember what Saul's response was? Basically, he says, you're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to leave you alone from now on. <laughs> it, that's, that's, that's very, very much um, abbreviated. But obviously, Saul's not a man of his word here because he's, he's back on the hunt for David. So David has this, this, this second chance to really to get even with Saul. Because how many times has Saul attempted to take the life of David up to this point? And so in my, in my eyes, David would be perfectly justified in this. But David doesn't see it that way. They approached the camp. Saul was asleep. He was surrounded. And then Abishai, he was surrounded by his soldiers. And then Abishai views this as a gift from God. God has given you, your enemies, Saul, into your hands. So Abishai is more like me. Man, look at this opportunity, David. He's given you Saul. You, you can take, take his life right now. You will be established as the king of Israel. God's promise to you would be fulfilled but that's not what David chooses to do. If we flip, flip back to verse number four, uh, to chapter number 24 and verse 4 here in Samuel, the Bible says, um, and the men, men of David, this was um, uh, when David confronted Saul in the cave here. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord has said unto thee. Look at, look at this. He, basically, the men of David are almost tempting David, saying, this is, this is the day that God spoke of, that you would be king of Israel. The day of which the Lord has said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do him as it is, as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe, 
and it goes on from there. So David's, David's men and Abishai in this, in this instance is, is trying to encourage David saying, hey, this is, this is when we could get even with him. This is when we can take Saul's life. This is when we could fulfill God's promise. So Abishai requested permission to take Saul's life. He's like, hey, let me just, let me just take a spear. We'll, 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 we'll get rid of him. Get rid of this, this thorn in your flesh for once and for all. Um, but it says here his patriotism outweighed his spiritual discernment. Now, I have, I have, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have trouble with this because in my mind... We, David knew God's will, right? God's will was for David to be king. He had already been anointed. So in my mind, I mean, with all the killing and everything you see in the Old Testament, right? What's, what's wrong with David just doing this? But obviously God had, had communicated to David that it wasn't time yet. And David, maybe it's because I'm a worrier. And I just, it's, it's, it's hard for me to wait on God sometimes. I'm not very patient. Sometimes it's hard for me to wait on God. I don't know if anybody else here is like that, but, but David had no problem with simply saying, Lord, when it's your time, you're going to make this happen. You see David's heart there? He had two instances, in, in, my, in my mind, justifiable instances to, to, to take over the kingdom of Israel. But he said Saul was anointed by God, and when it's God's time to take Saul from the kingdom, he's going to do it. David is going through, in my opinion, a hard time in his life, right? And he's written, he's written a couple of psalms in this time of his life about his discouragement and how nobody stands with him and how his enemies are hunting him. I mean, if you read the book of Psalms, you see the heart of David. But, but even through all of this, even through this depression, through this discouragement, David still heavily relied on the leadership and the, and the authority of God. In fact, what does the Bible say? Vengeance is, who, who, who does vengeance belong to? God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. David relied on God to fulfill his promises. He wasn't going to help God out. <laughs> he said, God's going to do what, what God wants to do, right? And so, this is a good reminder because something that seems to be right and matches what we want to see happen, and is supported by those that we serve with, doesn't always mean that God is in it. Right? This takes spiritual discernment. This took some spiritual discernment on, on David's part. And the good news is that we have the, we have the Spirit as well, right? We have this, this, the Holy Spirit. As, as children of God, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And Jesus, when, when referring to the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, he said... Who can know the mind of God but the Spirit of God, right? I mean, he's the one that knows God's mind. And then he says that he's going to send us that Spirit of truth. And so we have the ability to know the mind of Christ through the, through the Word of God, right? But also through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We have the ability, we have the, the privilege of being able to know the mind of God, to search his will. And David had that as well. He, his, David's response was the result of his commitment to the biblical principles and leadership of the Holy Spirit in his life. 
So David reminded, reminded Abishai that Saul was in the position he was in because God anointed Saul as king of Israel. Right? Saul was an anointed king. Saul was chosen by God to be the first king of Israel. And David recognized that. So as we continue in verse number, um, in verse number 8, I'm sorry, in verse number 9, And David said to Abishai, Destroy him not, for who can, who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? That's, that's interesting, by the way. Because David recognized that this was still God's anointed and that God still would hold somebody responsible for taking the life of his anointed. So David, furthermore, David says, As the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him, or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. Look at that. Look at David's confidence in God. As the Lord liveth. This means it's going to happen. I believe that it's going to happen. David had no doubt in his mind that God was going to fulfill his promise. Saul's, Saul's demise is coming. Whether it's him just dying a natural death, whether it's him dying in battle, whether it's God destroying him himself, I mean, Saul's, Saul's day is coming, and David's day to be king, he, he recognized that it was, it was not far off. He trusted the Lord. David's confidence was in God. God chose David to replace Saul, and the Lord would remove Saul when and how he chose to do it. Many people in a similar place have followed the temptation to rise against God's ordained leadership instead of waiting and trusting God to do according to his will. So, in verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed, but I pray thee, Take thou now the spear that is, at thy, that is at his bolster in the cruise of water and let us go. So David takes a couple of souvenirs here. <laughs> a couple of Saul's souvenirs for proof, right? This, is, this was something that David did for proof that, hey, I had your life in my hand, Saul. I could have taken it, but I chose not to. And you'll see how David does this here in a second. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster and they got them away and no man saw it, nor knew it, neither awaked, for they were all asleep. Look at this. Because a deep sleep from the Lord was fallen upon them. Again, David had this promise that he was relying on, right? I'm going to be king. I'm going to walk in there, and nothing's going to happen to me because I'm confident. Now, what, what surprises me is the faith that Abishai had, right? Because Abishai wasn't promised tomorrow, <laughs> But he's like, David, I'm going to follow you. I'll, I'll volunteer to go. It's a this was a I mean, Abishai could have very well lost his, very easily lost his life right here. Right? But he followed his king. They went in. They got the cruise of water. And the Bible says here that the Lord caused this deep sleep to fall on the nation of Israel, these, these 3,000 men as well as the king. Then David went over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill Afar off, a great space being between them, and David cried to the people, and to Abner, the son of Ner, Abner, by the way, was, David, was Saul's general, the son of Ner, saying, Abner, uh, saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? So we see this um, 
conversation that begins with, with David, between David and Abner, and, and Saul chimes in here in a second. But um, this confrontation was, and, and so David chose, he chose not to take the, the life of Saul, but David had a responsibility and, and a right to protect himself, right? <laughs> and the people, and the, 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 the small army, the 600-man army that was with him, and probably, who knows, the families that were possibly with them. You know, the Bible doesn't say all that. But he, he gets these, these items, right? The spear and the, and the cruise of water. And he takes it out of the camp. And then he begins this conversation with Abner and with Saul. And he's, <laughs> this, is, this is hilarious to me because he starts making fun of Abner, Saul's general, Right? So David cried, Abner the son of, to the, Abner the son of Ner, saying, Answerest thou not, Abner? Abner says, Who art thou that criest after the king? And David said to Abner, Art, thou, art not thou a valiant man? And who is like to thee in Israel? He's building Abner up here, right? He's building him up for the fall. Wherefore, then, hast thou not kept thy lord the king? For there came one of thy people in to destroy the king, thy lord. And this is not good. That thou hast done, as the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die, because ye have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. And now, see, where is the king's spear and the cruise of water that was at his bolster? So here he's making fun of Abner, really, right? Because Abner was, was, was Saul's right-hand man. Abner was the general, the one that was responsible for, for Saul's safety and protection. And he was, asleep, he was asleep, literally asleep on the job. Right? And so David starts, David starts confronting Abner. Abner, what are you doing? Why, you're, you're sleeping on the job? There was somebody that came in straight to, your king, straight to your king. He could have killed him. Look, I've got the proof right here. Where's the spear? Where's the, the bolster of water? And it says in verse number, in, in verse number 17... Saul chimes in, and Saul knew David's voice and said, Is this thy voice, my son David? And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Wherefore doth my lord thus pursue after his servant? For what have I done, or what evil is in mine hand? Now therefore, I pray thee, let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the lord hath stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be... The children of men cursed be they, I'm sorry. <clears throat> but if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, go serve other gods. So David offers, so David confronts Saul, first off, right? He says, what have I done? What have I done to make you angry, king? And, and look at the respect that David had. Saul, though David was promised the kingdom by God, right? He still had respect for God's anointed. And I think there's something really important in here for us. That no matter... No matter the, 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 what we have in our heart, right? Because sometimes we get stirred up a little bit. 
I'm speaking for myself, I, and I, I, I appreciate what, and I am terrible with names, again, the, the brother that preached the revival. I appreciate what he said about simply being polite, about being a Christian. I mean, there's a right and a wrong way to do things. There's a right and a wrong way to say things. And, and simply this attitude that David had towards the king of Israel, though he had every right to be mad, though he had every right to, to be flustered, right? He still treated Saul with, with the respect that Saul's position deserved. So he offers Saul, he goes on, and he offers Saul, honestly, he offers him a, a sacrifice. Um, it's if, in number three, verse, number three, letter E, if God stirred Saul to harm David, he would offer an acceptable sacrifice. Perhaps David felt that Saul's actions were being influenced by men the king was listening to. These events had resulted in David being driven from his home and his inheritance. So then David accuses Saul of hunting him in verse number 20. Here, now therefore let, me, let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel has come out to seek a flea as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountain. The, the Bible says this in the New Testament. It says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You see David's wisdom here, right? He had every right and every every reason to be upset and to be heated in this moment, but instead he took the back seat. He was, look at how humble he was. I'm just a flea to you. He was, David was promised the kingdom. He was going to be the next king of Israel, but yet still he says, Saul, I'm just a flea. Why are you hunting me? Why are you coming after me? He treated Saul with that respect. He took the, the, the road of humility and God rewarded that. Then said Saul, I have sinned. Return my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool, and have erred exceedingly. And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord render to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was much and behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by in thine eyes, in the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. <laughs> so, David, so Saul offers this day to David. He says, you know what, David? Again, the second time Saul did this, I was wrong. In fact, he even says, my son, David, my son, I was wrong in hunting you. Come back, come home, come home. But David knew Saul. Saul had already... <laughs> What's the saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right? David, David knew Saul's heart, and he knew that Saul would change tomorrow. So he didn't, take, he didn't accept that offer that David said, but he showed Saul something. He, he, he challenged Saul with this. Listen to this in verse 23 again. The Lord rendered to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness, for the Lord delivered thee into my hand this day. Saul, I had you in my hand but I would not stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. And then verse 24, And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in my eyes, as I spared you, Saul, so let my life be much set by in the eyes of, look at what he says, not in your eyes, Saul, but he says in the eyes of the Lord. 
In other words, Saul, I spared you, and know this, that no matter how hard you try, God's going to spare me. His, again, Saul's, David's confidence in God and his promise. And let him deliver me out of all tribulation. In verse 25, we're going to end here. Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt, do, thou shalt both do great things and shalt also... I'm sorry. Blessed be thou, my son David. Thou shalt both do great things and also shall still prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his, to his place. So this encounter that David had with Saul, I love the fact that David constantly and confidently relied on God and on God's promises. Never wavered, never once. So principles and applications. Thinking about the Ziphites, we need to be careful which side of the issue or argument we take. Many people have erred by joining with those who are not in the right. We see this in, in modern day in modern day issues all the time, right? Things that seem, seem to, people make a good argument about, and, and yet when you, when you go to the Bible, you realize that we have no, no right being on this side of the argument, so to speak. For, for instance, and one that's very blatant today is, is the issue of sodomy, right? Oh, we need, to, we need to love and we need to, you know, accept and all of this stuff, and they'll bring, bring all these good arguments, but yet we know, according to God's word, it's, it's sin, right? It's immorality. It's an, it's an abomination. And so having the spiritual discernment to, to, to look at things that are much less issues than that, um, it just takes a relationship with the Lord, right? That leadership, that guidance of the Holy Spirit. David had the ability to see through what Abishai considered God's provision because things are not always as they appear. This underscores the importance of being grounded in, print, in the principles of God's word and being committed to living according to them, it would be very easy and natural for David to go along with Abishai's request, but God had something better, as he often does. Amen? All right, well, let's go ahead and close right there. And, of course, next week's reading would be 1 Samuel chapter 27.